Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. Alex, how are you, my man? I'm doing good. How about you, Joe? Really good. I'm actually recording this in my my brother-in-law's uh, office in Austin, Texas. And um, I love coming down to Austin. It's good to see family. And uh, it was supposed to be a little warmer down here because we're from St. Louis. And uh, it's just as ah, cold, if not colder. Yeah, down in it's Texas. very cold here right now. It's very cold. We have frost on the ground. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? And Tracy, you're in Florida, right? Yeah, we're not even going to talk about the weather. No, that is kind of weird. <laughs> no, like 70 a, degrees over there. <laughs> I, I actually uh, like the cold weather as I've been in Florida my whole life. So it's always so hot. Yes. So anytime we can get, you know, 50 or 60 degrees, I'm in heaven. I open all the windows and I turn every, I mean, I, I never turn the heater on, even when it's, I just love the cold. That's awesome. So maybe I need to Maybe I need to move. <laughs> but you're right. It is It is kind of lame to talk about the weather. This isn't called like the Weather Investing Mastery Podcast. Yeah. That's right. We want to talk about real estate. <laughs> so, Alex, how if people you... can get their fast cash survival kit, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. We have a fast cash survival kit. And uh, you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Alex, are you still using that same VA? Huh. Actually, no. We have parted ways. No way. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's okay though. You're heartbroken for for him or for me? Uh, him, you, both yeah. of you. Like you guys were best buds for the longest time. I was gonna say in our in our fast cash survival kit, we talked about how we use our VAs and um, yes, wh- how we make them do uh, work for us, right? So, um, did, did you just? Did your guy run out of work to do, or what? What's going on? Oh no! Oh no! 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 I mean, I still have um, I still have a VA, VAs that work with me, but uh, my head VA, uh, we had parted ways. Um, not to get too detailed with him, but basically, I uh, looked at my Skype usage and what he was reporting to me, and I said, "Well, these numbers don't line up here with your hours. Can you show me?" where these other hours are coming in and it was off by quite a bit. And when I asked him to verify that, he kind of said, um, I guess I'm done. So <laughs> I don't wow. know what that means, but you know, somebody from the podcast probably found out who he was and hired him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That can happen. <laughs> well, it happens a lot. And I've had, uh, my VAs tell me some of my students and clients have asked them um, if they if they would want to work for them and they would offer them a raise. Yeah. <laughs> that's just no. I I don't think that's what it was. It's just you know when you're asked to verify something and you can't and you're yeah. embarrassed about it. I guess you fold up shop and go home. So that's, that's what happened. That's too bad. But uh, I, it's not like I said, dude, you're fired. I just asked for verification and he just. Yeah. He so fired you know, at home, he fired himself. Yeah. So what yeah, are you going to do now? Are you going to hire a new VA to replace? Him? I do have. I do have another VA um, that's you know not as good as him by uh, a long stretch, but uh, good enough to go through and call some hangups. Um, you know, and that's really 
when you look at it, you get the low hanging fruit that comes through and you deal with those and they're really easy to deal with. But the v, the real money in the VA, I would say, is that they go through and call all the stuff that you don't want to call, like the ones that called in and hung up, the ones that called in and said they wanted too much, blah, 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 blah. And this VA that I have definitely proved her worth because, I mean, she called, you know, she brought in, there was a hang up she called in that turned into a $40,000 deal. There was another one that turned into a $32,000 deal. So, you know, she's works for way considerably less than what he was working for and does the grunt work and doesn't complain about it. And, um, yeah, worth wow. even though she's not as good as negotiating, but she's good at calling those people, getting them on the line and putting them back into the funnel as opposed to if we were just say, Oh, they hung up, no go. Yeah. You know? so, and that's you know, that's where the uh, worth of a VA comes in. Well, you know, <clears throat> we have Tracy Kaywood on the line with us from Property Mob Fame. And uh we'll probably ask her we'll probably ask you, Tracy, how you use VAs if you don't mind. Is it? Oh, okay. It's an interesting topic, and maybe you don't. But uh, oh, no, I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, good, good. <clears throat> because it's a it's an important topic, and it's not as you know. It used to be like everybody was talking about VAs. It was like the new hot trendy thing. Remember, back three four years ago, maybe yeah. even less. But um, it, it's it's still a very important part of our businesses. It's an important part of mine. In fact, I have probably seven VAs working for me right now in my real estate business and my uh, done for you marketing business and coaching business. But um, anyway, I wanted to read real quick. If you guys don't mind some reviews we've got recently. Remember if you go back about five, 10 episodes, 15, 20 episodes, I don't remember. Um, we, we had an episode titled leave a review, get free stuff. And, um, not only if you leave us a review, good or bad, if you leave us a review, we'll send you um, some books that we've written. I've written. Alex, I don't think you've written any books yet, have you? Not to rub it in or anything, but you just got to give Alex a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, no books written yet. <laughs> okay. Just, I, I'm just sorry. I just had to bring that up because <clears throat> yours oh, truly. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All, all these books were were webinars that we had transcribed and turned into books. But they're really, really good books. But you get them for free if you leave us a review in iTunes. And um, it's pretty easy. And we'll also send you some videos and some stuff that Alex and I have done, the Fast Cash Survival Kit, if you just leave us a review. And we have a couple here um, that I want to read. This is from a few days ago from Begin Now. He says, five stars, just what I was looking for. I just learned about the term remote wholesaling, and I am totally excited. This is exactly what I'm looking for to create wealth in my real estate investing endeavors. Thank you, Joe and Alex, for giving me access to learning more about this avenue of investing, which will give me more freedom to work from home or travel with my family in the future. I've listened to a few of the podcasts and can't wait to devour all of them up, hopefully offering me enough information and giving me the courage to put things into action. Aloha. I was just in Hawaii begin now, and uh, maybe... We'll see you in Hawaii sometime soon. Um, one or two more here. This is the best real estate investing mastery podcast. That's cool. Uh, five stars from LG Donzi. I've listened to a lot of real estate podcasts, and I have to say these are the best ones. These guys uh, give real information that you can use and have really helped me get motivated. 
their low-key style without any guru talk and keeping it simple is just great. Thanks for all you do and keeping and keep the podcast coming. Thanks. That was an awesome, nice review. Thank you, LG. Appreciate it. And um, I don't know if I've read this one before, but I'm going to read it again because it's good. Best content, period. Five stars by TriVision. If you haven't tuned into Joe and Alex's podcast yet, you're missing out. I'm not an information junkie, but I've listened to every episode they've done because the content is that good. There's always something new to learn and to implement in your business. I highly recommend newbies and experienced investors alike to tune in. I've been able to keep I've been able to start my wholesaling business and get deals done based on what I've learned from the podcasts. That's awesome. Um, now I'm working on scaling and making it more efficient with the help of Podio. Uh oh. <laughs> Tracy, did you hear that? I did, I did. That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. We'll, we'll talk about Zoho and Podio here in a minute because they're both really good tools. Um, keep delegating, guys, because I had I and many others really appreciate the time and effort that you put into delivering these quality podcasts. You guys are the best. Happy holidays to you and your families. Okay, thanks, TriVision. That's awesome. we got a bunch more like that. So if you want to leave us a review, please do so at realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go to iTunes. Uh, go to Stitcher, leave us a review, and uh, we really, really appreciate it. And um, Tracy, are you still there? Yes. Okay, cool. It looks like Alex is trying to come back in. We'll see if he can get back in or not. He's typing something. We've been having technical difficulties. But um, Tracy, I'm glad you're on the show. We've been wanting to talk with you for a while. You, you're very active in the Wholesaling Houses full-time forum. And uh, you get a lot of uh, good advice to people. Um, I've always appreciated looking or reading the the stuff that you put out there on your blog, uh, on in Facebook. <clears throat> so, Tracy, you're in Florida, is that right? I am. I'm in uh, Jacksonville Beach, Florida. I'm one of the few natives. Really? Yeah. That Florida is, is a big. Yeah, it's a big. Uh, you know, snowbird state. And would you rather Can live in the mountains? Or in the near the ocean. <laughs> mm, mm. I'd rather live at the ocean. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'd rather live at the ocean. I live 573 footsteps away from uh, the Atlantic Ocean from my front door. So um, I can say, like in the summer, I don't go there to the beach because it's just too hot. But um, any time between, the, you know, that's not May through August. Or I'll say June through August. I'm at the beach. I mean, we just walk down there and drink coffee, and it's just it's just amazing. I mean, I like the mountains too, but if I had to choose one, I would. The beauty of the ocean is definitely what it's about. I like the ocean. Yeah, it is nice. The ocean is definitely better than the mountains. No, (laughs) yeah. I think I'm gonna have to say uh, I'm different. I I prefer to be in the mountains. It's just it's hard. It, yeah, but that's the beautiful thing about it. It's just yeah. it's just majestic. And um yes. But, you know, the cool thing about what we do is we can work from wherever we want and if we wanted to take a week off, a month off or even just work from somewhere else for a month or two, we can do that. I mean, Tracy or Alex, could could either of you if you wanted to, if you really wanted to, work from another state for a couple months? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, isn't that awesome? (laughs) Who else can say that? (laughs) It's pretty awesome. It's it's a combination of making sure you got all the right people in place, too. I mean, that that really comes into play. I mean, (laughs) 
you got VAs or people that you work with, it, it all comes down to that. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's something I'm really appreciative of and, and grateful for. And um, it's, it's awesome. It's a great time to be in this business, too. It's a great time to uh, making sure that you're, you have the systems in place. You're doing the marketing consistently. You've got the people in place to handle the calls and, and to, do the, to do the dirty work for you, in a sense. But uh, Tracy, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in real estate? What were you doing pre-real estate days? Uh, sure. Uh, it was back in the heyday of, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know if that was heyday. 1998. Uh-huh. I, was, uh-huh. I was 25 that years old. That was the heyday. Yeah, that was, that was, was one of the heydays. You know, I was 25 years old and I worked at a Fortune 500 company doing billing reconciliation. So, you know, the old nine to five job, pantyhose and all this. And I had a two-year-old son at the time and I, I did not like people, you know, if he got sick, I couldn't go pick him up. I just, um, actually he was older than that. Like 1998, he was, he was born in 93. He was five. He was five years old. So he was, if he got sick, I had to ask for permission to go sit, pick, you know, pick him up from daycare or whatever the deal was. I quickly discovered I did not like that lifestyle. So I started looking for ways to work at home. That was like the first uh, venture. Just, I just need to work at home. I didn't know what I was going to do at home. So I did go through several scams building the earrings at home where you order it out of the newspaper and they send you the kit. <laughs> you can build the earrings and they pay you 50 cent for every pair of earrings that you built. And me and my husband both um, at the same time decided we were going to do this. We were a very new, you know, new relationship back then. Um, we just wanted to be together all the time. So we were, he was going to build earrings with me wow. and we got the kit put it all on the bed and, you know, looked at all these little beads and strings and we never got one earring put together. And we're like, Oh man, this isn't it. We're not going to, we're not going to be able to sustain anything building earrings. So we nixed that. Then we started the, believe it or not, we did the $1 chain letter. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. So did back, that work? Back in- <laughs> back in 1998 that was i mean the internet wasn't very prevalent i mean the information was not as rich if at all any it was you know still dial up kind of back yeah, then i mean yeah. we had we were broke no money barely could afford our rent uh, i mean it was we were struggling real hard just to get by wow um so we had diet we had dial up internet and, you know, it was boom, 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 waiting for AOL to connect. It just, you know, the Internet wasn't a place to go get information. So there was, wasn't, <laughs> no forums and, you know, Facebook groups and things like that where all the information is ready available today for anybody who wants to learn, you know, how to make money in real estate. It just wasn't there. Right. So we were looking in newspapers and, you know, uh, infomercials and, and all these crazy things. So the dollar chain letter didn't work, but I did think that the mailman was going to be dragging a bag, you know, across his shoulder, just full of envelopes, full of $1 bills. It was just that convincing that sales letter was, that didn't work. Um, and we did see the, yes, this is how I got my start is the, um, no money down Carlton sheets infomercial on late, late night TV. And we saw his, 
uh, infomercial and we're like, oh man, that looks legit. I didn't know anything about real estate. Zero. Uh, we didn't have, it was $199 and we did not have $199 to buy the course. Mm. And mm. we asked my mother-in-law to get it for us for Christmas. That was what we wanted for our Christmas present. So she did, she ordered it, had it sent to our house and we opened up the course and uh, it was so much jargon and pulled out the big chart, you know, and listened to all the cassettes and all, you know, just started calling for sell by owners and we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And I, I remember standing in the driveway talking to Dan, my husband, like, how do people get paid on a second mortgage? I mean, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't figure this out. It was, it, it was really, to me, like owner financing strategies are advanced. It's kind of a, uh, sophisticated entry point for real for sure. estate. Now, was that, was that the main thing he was teaching to get started? Yeah. Yeah. He was owner financing. Yes. Wow. Okay. He was owner financing and, and rental, you know, buy, buy them on owner financing and then rent them out. Huh. Do we mention but, this know, guru? Who was, who was the teacher? Carlton Sheets. Oh, Carlton Sheets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Sheets. <laughs> yes. No money down guy. Yeah. That was his course. Um, so that, you know, was over our heads, uh, but we did say, yes, we're on to something real estate. This, you know, this is totally legit. We want to pursue this. And then we found in a, in a dang, you know, nickel newspaper, penny trader, whatever you called them, uh, a little ad for wholesaling course by Kevin Myers. <clears throat> It was $69 and we bought it. It came in a one inch binder, <laughs> three ring binder. You know, he had just printed it and punched it together. And um, that was when wholesaling was born for us. Um, Car- uh, Kevin Myers course. It was just really easy to understand. And everything he said was totally understandable. And he gave us an action plan and we took action on it and, no, remember we had no money whatsoever. So one of his things was to, you know, of course, do some direct mail marketing. That's how you generate leads. We couldn't even buy postcards. Wow. That I mean, it was bad. We were we were broke. We were, you know, living paycheck, paycheck in the red. So we bought four by six index cards from Office Depot and printed them on our printer, just let them print all night. We got the code enforcement list from the city. That was one of the recommendations in the book started printing our uh, index cards and whatever money we had to use for marketing, we'd send out that many postcards. So, you know, if we had $20 extra that week, that's how many postcards we just, everything we had extra, we would mail out postcards to generate leads. Phone was ringing, you know, to our house. We didn't have cell phones back then. And we would just break our neck trying to get to the phone. So it started working. People started calling us and we just, faked it till we made it. Um, you know, it was easier than owner financing, but definitely more identifiable as far as a motivated seller than anything we had ever seen. So we got, um, it took us, however, it took us about three months to talk to a seller that was motivated enough. And I guess feel comfortable enough to even make an offer that was made sense. Right. We didn't know what, you know, that meant even, didn't have a mentor, you know, just, it was crazy. Just all on our own, just self-taught using this one little book. So we finally got a contract on a duplex, um, in a war zone, 
not the best place to get your first deal, but hey, I didn't know back then what right. the difference was. I didn't know. I was just like, yeah, she's going to sign our contract. And we ended up wholesaling it with just within a few days, and we made $1,200. Wow. What now, year was this? 98. Wow, okay. Uh, is that what you said, right? What year? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it was in 98. Um, it gets crazier, though, because once this happened, and we... Because we were working together, me and my husband. Once we closed that first deal and we made our check, we both quit our jobs. No way. <laughs> both of us. We were so, I mean, so young and naive. I mean, kids these days, you know, tw- are way smarter than we were. <laughs> they wow. were just, we just both quit. Now, and we said, well, if this, you know, if it works this time, it'll continue to work. We can just keep doing this. You know, all we have to do is just keep doing this and we'll just keep making money. $1,200, you know, that was, we made that in one deal. That was about what I was making all month back then. Yeah. So maybe not even that. I think I made, you know, $225 a week before they took my tax, before they took taxes out, you know, and he didn't have the best job either. He's working at a restaurant, you know, so together we weren't making that much money. So this was great, except we had no idea of what was about to happen. Um, as far as, the, you know, the str- hashtag, the struggle is real. Yeah. Trying to get the next deal and not knowing I'm just, we were so dumb, not knowing that, you know, it might be another month before we close another deal or how long is it going to be and how much, you know, money are we going to have to spend to make, get another deal. Anyway, to make a long story short, we struggled for the, with this for probably two years, just wow. getting the check, spending it all and just not learning a lesson about, you know, budgeting, marketing expenses, paying your bills in advance and planning for roller coaster ride that wholesaling can be. It was just, it took us a while to finally um, get it and, you know, say, okay, we, we even at one point knew we had to get marketing money uh, to get more leads. And we were on the road to a pawn shop pawning, our son's PlayStation to get marketing money and ran out of gas. Oh my gosh. I'm not kidding. These are all true stories. Ran out of gas trying to get hard times. Yes. So needless to say, we got over that. I mean, but we said we're not ever going back to work. No matter what we are going to make this work and that we were both, we worked as a team, our, our whole real estate careers together. Dan's just not, you know, he's not type A. He doesn't, he doesn't like, you know, he's an, he's a, he's a wallflower. Uh, but we both committed to this and never went back. I mean, we never got a job, haven't had a job, neither one of us since 1998. And wow. after, you know, the first, first year we made $12,000, second year, you know, it was up to like 55,000. And then by the third year and every year after that, it's been six figures. We finally, you know, we caught on. Like, okay, we got, we got this. We know what it takes, That's and excellent. went to every, yeah, went to every Ron the Grand event you could ever, he's ever had, except his commercial real estate boot camp. We've been to all of his stuff, so he's really, he's really our our godfather. Oh, huh. you still go to his events? No, I, I don't go anymore. I could, I could literally recite his events. We've been to him. <laughs> So many times, I know what he's going to say. I know his responses. You know, I know what he's going to wear. It's just I, I've been to all of them, so um, I don't. I just don't know. You are going to a seminar. 
I, I listen to his videos sometimes, you know, on, on Facebook, see what he's up to. And uh, he's what? just, he's awesome. I, I, I like Ron LeGrand a lot, but why doesn't he just retire? Why is, <clears throat> why is he still going at it? I don't know. He's like those car lot guys who just keeps going. <laughs> I like, I mean, a lot of he people. He loves it. Yeah. He, I guess he just really does love it. But I mean, he's got to be in his seventies now. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe he just doesn't want to stop. But it would seem to me like, let's just uh, work a little less. He works like he works really hard. He's a workhorse. He is. Hmm. He really, hmm. he really is. And he's, um, he's my direct competition in Jacksonville because he lives in Jacksonville where I do. So you know, Eagle Home Buyers, and I hear the name come up, and I'm like, oh man, that's Ron Grant. <laughs> So that's kind of cool. So he's, he's still, yeah. he's got other people under him that are doing stuff. Oh, yeah. He's, he's got, got a, he's yeah. Got he's got a ton of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he's out at the house uh, doing his thing. <laughs> no, no, he's not. Huh. huh. So, um, so that's interesting. He's still doing marketing, but he's got other people going out looking at the houses, making offers and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, this might be normally I ask this question at the end, Tracy, but this may be a good time to ask you now like if you were to do it all over again and if you were to look back and back in 1998 and you were if you had a mentor um what would you have what would you have done differently what would you wish that your mentor would have taught you and trained you to do um i definitely needed to know that you have to be consistent and not um let the system quit running because we did not do that. We would find a deal, find a buyer, cash the check, spend it, and then start over. Mm. Mm. Start over. Now we got to do some marketing. All our money's gone. Cut for, you know, let's well, you know, out some you know, Ron LeGrand called that the marketing machine, right? You got to get the marketing machine going. The marketing machine, yes. Yeah. So that, you know, if I had to do it all over again and to say, uh, without going through the growing pains that we did, it was it would definitely be just that one piece of advice would have kept things um, at least you know semi smooth and not so rough to to not uh, to not know if the lead's even going to call me because I haven't done any marketing. You know, step yeah. number one: yeah. locate prospects. So definitely that, and then maybe also the management of money. You know, not to spend it all. Right. Okay. We went shopping every time we used to close deals, just shop just shop and spend and spend it all. And, you know, go out, have a party. And it was, so, you know, we just had no discipline. It was, I feel like I came out of the, I don't know, the fifties or trying to do it. Just, <laughs> it just didn't know. I mean, it's just no, no one to, you know, guide you the right, in the right direction, but mm. we made it happen. But yeah. What well, would you think? Would you have done, obviously, you learned early on, maybe it took you a little while, but you learned yeah. early on how important marketing is. Yeah. And so you've got, if you're consistent with the marketing, the leads will come and that will solve like 99% of your problems. Yes. Interesting. <clears throat> Do you think that wholesaling is a good thing for beginning investors to start with? I think it's the best thing for investors to start with. I think it's the easiest way to make money. I think it's the easiest to comprehend and, you know, it's the fastest way to a check. As long as you 
take action on uh, what you learn, then yeah, I definitely think wholesaling's the, the the best way to get your feet wet in the business. Yeah. Um, what kind of marketing would you tell a beginning investor like you were at the time to start doing and be consistent with? Direct mail, direct mail, yeah. direct mail will never, it will never fail. Um, I, you know, I also know we're in a world of technology, so I do like the internet marketing, but I, for a new investor, I don't think it's, you know, you can't just throw up a website and people will start filling out your form. Um, but you can directly market to distressed sellers. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's definitely the best plan of action is to, um, you know, choose, I always tell people, you know, choose three or four small highly targeted lists and start marketing to them and you are going to, you're going to get responses and you know, they're not all going to be motivated and they're certainly not going to be qualified, but that's, that's where to start is yeah. direct mail. Yeah. It's inexpensive and it's highly effective. It's, it's just not, it, it will never die. Direct mail is always going to be the king of lead generation. Yeah. I think what ties into this really well too is, is you're a big Zoho user and you probably understood early on too the importance of like uh not letting any leads fall through the cracks and the importance of follow up and Zoho allows you to do that is that right yeah it does so what a- would you say um how much how important is it to do the follow up uh piece of this like somebody calls they're not ready to do a deal now but you're, I'm assuming you're, you mean consistency in the same way for following up with old leads. Is that right? Yeah, consistency with um, – I have two – well, I have like three follow-up plans. One is uh, follow-up with direct mail. So I never just mail um, anybody one piece of mail. They all get six pieces at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, once they call in, they go into one of two follow-up systems. One would be – that we made it to the point where I made an offer on the property and they just said, no, I mean, you know, if I got to that point um, and they just wouldn't accept my offer, uh, they go to uh, email auto responder series and telephone follow-ups. And then another one is just if they call in and, you know, maybe the house is listed or they're asking too much right now, or they're just not at the motivation level. I want them to be, they go into a different follow-up. So there's certainly some people I don't follow up with at all. I just, you know, they're not worth Ooh. following up. Take me, those are the take me off your list, you know. Oh, not, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. Not, not the people that give me information about their house. If they go that far, then they're worth following up with. But, you know, take me off your list and things like that. I just mark them as dead and uh, well, I don't waste my time on them. But any other seller that I've had a conversation with and uh, they, they get follow up. Right. They get followed for for six months. Now, do you have a take me off your list? Do not call. Do not mail list that you stick to. Have you had problems with that? If you've mailed you know as what? much I, as I, I, don't, you know? I don't even take them. I don't take them off the list. Oh, <laughs> have you had any problems with that? I haven't, and I, you know, people are always like, oh, you know, how do you take the people off your list? Well, I don't, and my reasoning is, if I don't eat pizza. And Domino's sends me a coupon for their pizza, and I call, and I call them on the phone and say, "Take me off your list." They're not going to take me off their list. They're going to keep me. But are you sending like personalized? You know, hey, 
Tracy K. Wood, I want to buy your house at 123 Main Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my, my mail is personalized with, with their name and address. But, you know, a lot, you can, a lot of direct mail companies personalize it. You know, it has my name on it when I get the postcard. But, uh, you know, to answer your question, I've never had a, you know, anybody... I don't know, a problem, I guess. What would, what would someone, you know, they got to call well, the real first, police? Well, actually, I, I think people have called <laughs> cops. But I haven't had the cops called on me. Um, uh, the, the worst I had, and, and I, I, was, I did this the other day. I was like, you know, I'm going to put my Better Business Bureau logo on my card, on my postcard to boost oh. the response rate. Uh-oh. And guess what yeah. somebody did? They complained to the <laughs> Better <laughs> Business Bureau. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Wow. laughs> And that <clears throat> that shows up in your complaint history, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. Even though it's taken care of and resolved, it shows up as a complaint in advertising, uh, which uh, is just that's terrible. You know, you can't. Uh, I can't make everybody happy. So you know, why try? Wow. Yeah. So, so what do you think about that with the Better Business Bureau logo? Would you take it off? Would you leave it on? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I remember. I'd probably take it off. If- uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's crazy. That was the only place they could turn to, though, I guess, is I know what yeah. I'll do. Yeah. Call the BBB. And the first time <laughs> I do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably yeah. would take it off. I probably wouldn't leave it. That's crazy. You, yeah, because, you, would, you, know, you wouldn't they... leave the BBB on there. No, I would not. Interesting. I, you know, I don't think, did you notice an increase in response rates? I guess not really. Not I. It was a different kind of mailing that I was trying, so it'd be hard to pit it against the other. But the it wasn't. You know, it was a home a lot of homeowner uh, owner ox in there. So yeah, um, not necessarily absentee, but yeah. But you've had some interesting situations, haven't you, Joe? <laughs> With uh, well, yeah, I don't talk about those. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about those offline, but yeah, it involves offline. Okay. Get, it involves getting letters from uh, attorney generals. Yeah, that's that's pretty up there. Well, you know, and it's, it, it, I you know I I wasn't even really alarmed. They just the the, the letters was just you know, hey, we got a complaint. What's going on? That's all it was. Yeah, and and how did you get this list that you mailed to? And uh, so I just wrote a friendly two-paragraph letter back saying, Mm. um, you know, I got this letter from public records of landlords who own properties. I'm an investor, and I'm looking to buy some properties. And that's it. I never never heard anything back from anybody. Um, But, you know, anytime they get a complaint, they have to investigate it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how. And I could tell it was a form letter. It was written by some assistant to an assistant, and uh, but yeah, it had the. You didn't get the big man. No, I didn't get the big man <laughs> or woman, but it was from you know it had their letterhead, you know what this was in two different states, um, and, wow. and and the reason why is we do a lot of marketing for other people, so we right. we see that stuff. You know what's funny, I was sending a bunch of mail from. So the return address was my UPS store, okay? No. And my my UPS store uh, asked me to take their uh, address off the postcards because they were getting flooded with calls. <laughs> oh, no. People were, 
were complaining about receiving my postcards and calling the UPS store and saying, who, who is sending this postcard to me? I'm sorry, you know, this is a UPS store. I have no idea. Um, so they, they asked us to, to – so what I actually did, um, I have two UPS stores. And uh, one of them is my own personal business one. And the other UPS store is the one we send the mail from. That's the return address. And I told the guy when I signed up for the account, um, I said, you know, this is the problem I was having at the other UPS store. And he said, oh, I don't care. Don't worry about it. And so, yeah, we've been sending mail from that UPS store for, for probably about six or eight months now. Quite a bit of it. So anyway... Tracy, uh, you've been, you know, you've been wholesaling houses a long time. There's not too many people that I've met that have been wholesaling houses since the late nineties. Yeah, I'm old. Well, I didn't mean I it that it. way. No, no, no. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm you're, just kidding. You're experienced. You've seen it all. I can imagine there's. You think? Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say I, I can imagine there's not much you haven't seen. I've been there, done that. Well, you think that until something crazy comes up. And then you're like, oh man, I've never seen this before. But yeah, I, I've I have probably been through one of every scenario imaginable, as you know, with people and the properties and titles and scenarios, and I've, I've definitely have seen. I've got some stories for sure. Now, Tracy, are you licensed? I am, and I was gonna I was gonna mention a quick story too because I am a licensed broker. Uh, I, I'm not active in the realtor business though. Okay. I just, okay. I was when I, and I got my license in 99. So I thought, you know, that education would enrich my business. And I did some traditional real estate using my license. I really used until about three years ago. I said, it's just not worth it to me anymore. I make more money as an investor and, so I, I kept my license. I'm a broker. I have my own office. I don't have any agents under me. I really just use it for MLS. I list my contracts in the MLS and mm. uh, I use it pull comps. <clears throat> That's it. That's all I use my license for. But uh, with along with that comes the uh, Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation and the Real Estate Commission. And someone complained because I sent the house was listed, which I didn't know, you know, I don't pre-screen all these direct mail addresses before they go out, but it was listed with a realtor and I sent them a yellow letter and, you know, signed my name to it. And they looked me up and discovered that I was uh, licensed and they filed a formal complaint again with, you know, against me with Freck, the Florida real estate commission uh, for my letter. You know, they thought I was trying to, uh, get the listing mm. from them, mm. even though it says, you know, I want to buy your house. They, you know, they, they said it was all just a front. I was trying to get them to call so I could get the listing. I, I've got the whole story on uh, my website to, to, to read about. It's kind of funny, but you know, so I had to answer them and it was actually at that point when um, I called our legal hotline we got a legal hotline for realtors and asked do i have to put on my letter and i know this isn't going to apply in all 50 states i know it's not going to uh, it's always you know a, a topic in um in the in the forums and groups and stuff but do i have to disclose that i'm a licensed realtor on my letters my direct mail where i'm acting as a principal as an investor and i was told by the legal hotline for the florida realtors that no i do not Wow. That 
that legally I have to disclose that I'm a licensed real estate agent before I enter into a contract with the seller. They right. have to know right before right. then. And I mean, direct mail, I don't even have to use my name. I can, you know, it could say, Hey, I want to buy your house. My name's, you know, sign it. Dan K. Direct mail is just to get a response. So, um, anyway, that's, you know, when I discovered that, and that, you know, maybe they told me wrong. I don't know, but it was legal Florida legal hotline for Florida realtors.org said, no, you do not have to, if you're a principal in a transaction and this is your business, you do not have to disclose that you're a licensed broker. On the postcard. Right. Obviously you disclose it to when you're talking to them or when you get it under contract, but yeah, that's crazy. Those don't get me started on, on realtors who do that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me going. But that was, that was funny that, you know, the consumers complain and realtors complain and there's always somebody complaining, but well, um, I had, I, I was talking to a president of a real estate board I won't say which one, uh, a president of a real estate, local real estate board. And this person was telling me that if you've not been sued at least once a year as a realtor or a complaint against, I'm sorry, she said, if you've not had a complaint filed against you or been sued um, at least once a year as a realtor, you've not been a realtor long enough and you're not doing enough (laughs) deals. Oh, my God. And that That's was sad. from that was from a president of a local real estate board, and and who who you would think would follow everything according to the letter of the law, and she does, but that's just you know that's you got to have thick skin in this business whether you're a realtor or an investor, yeah. And it's sad, but you know what's the worst that can happen? Because I see a lot of this with beginning investors; they get a threatening letter, or they get a complaint, and they freak out. And I can understand why, but. Really, what's the worst that can happen? They can, the, the, the law sometimes does say that if you broker without a license, you could spend six months in jail. But that, I'm not saying that's <laughs> never happened, but the chances of that happening is really, really low. And usually that only happens to like repeat offenders that have been totally obnoxious and, you know, doing it like over and over and over again in your face. But yeah. It's usually just a slap on the wrist. It's a fine because um, people who are in the on those real estate commissions, um, they, they, they everybody who does a lot of deals gets complaints filed against them. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Would you agree with that, Tracy? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't had one complaint per year, but. I've had I've had my share. I mean, they, they complain about oh, every little thing you can think of. I mean, lock you know, giving out a lockbox code. I've given out a lockbox code. Got filed complaint against me for that. And um, one time, a vacant house that was a REO. The refrigerator went missing, and I was had a, you know I had a contract on that one. And I was flipping the contract, and because I had a contract on it, and I'm an investor, and the refrigerator went missing, which I don't know where the hell the refrigerator went. Um, they filed a complaint against me for that. Uh, so you know, I've had I've had my share of sitting in front of the ethics board and all this stuff, and I just kind of roll my eyes like, oh, this is this is so stupid. You, you should have told the joke. You should have said, "Hey, is your refrigerator running?" <laughs> 
should have. Be great. Close the door before I'm it gets away. Ice- <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get an icebreaker. <laughs> Is your refrigerator on it? You better go catch it. <laughs> so, oh, man. So, Tracy, some would say that's exactly why I don't want to get my license because there's this stupid ethics board. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it's stupid. But yeah. <laughs> sometimes what they they investigate is stupid. Board. Right. And I think ethics are important, obviously. But I'm just saying some people would say that's why I don't want to get my license because I don't want to have to answer to an ethics board like that. What, what do you say to that? Uh, you know, I, I've pondered over this so many times in my life. And I've said so many times, ah, forget I'm just going to I'm just going to let my license go. I don't need it. I mean, I really don't need it to to continue doing what I'm doing. I don't think the ethics manual or whatever they call it really stops people who are unethical, whether, you know, you have a license or not, just it's really over the top with their rules. But I don't know if I, I I probably someday, probably real soon, will let my license go and not use it. I really just keep it so I can, my assistant can put listings in the MLS. It's, it's really a great exposure well, that's uh, for you know getting the houses quickly. That's important too, I think, because um, I know I've met a lot of guys who are wholesaling a lot of properties, and uh, they're starting to put them on the MLS. They get it under contract, put it on the MLS. If you are your well, own broker, tool. it's a great tool to find buyers, and a lot of times buyers from the MLS will pay more. They than, always will. Yeah. That's right. how it works. Yeah. So, so if you're if you're your own broker and you can list your own properties. It just yeah. makes it a whole lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because you know, it's 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 also unorthodox way of listing properties. So to find a, a realtor that will do that for you is probably like pulling teeth because they're, you know, most of them, not everybody. I know there's realtors that are listening and um, not meaning for you know not calling anybody out in particular, but you know, in, in general, they're very traditional and have conventional ways of thinking and just will not do that. You can can list a property as a contract owner. There's a spot to check off on the MLS that this is a contract owner, right? Yeah, it's right in ours. It says um, equitable interest. You just check the box. Well, they don't know what that means, you know. So you usually have to give them a little seminar if they send you an offer and they've got the seller's name on the contract because they do the little autofill and it pulls out of the you know, tax records and you have to say, no, you need to change the name on the contract to this. And then they want to know why. And so you have to give a little mini seminar, but I I usually don't have any problem with, I mean, I've got one actually it's closing on the fifth that she was totally cool with it. She's like, Oh, okay. Well send me, if you're signing the contract and send me a copy of it and let's, she made a little clause in the contract, so she knew exactly what was going on. But uh, it's worth it if you're your own broker, yes, because you don't have anybody to answer to except Freck, you know. And as long as you're not breaking any of the rules, then you'll be fine. Right. right. Um, Tracy, we were talking a little bit about virtual assistants before in this, in this podcast. Can you talk a little bit about how you're using virtual assistants right now? Oh my God. I love virtual assistants. I can't live without them. Um, I started, I hired my first virtual assistant, 2008. I was the first virtual assistant I ever got him on Odesk. His name's Dendo. And 
this is really when I started automating my business and what didn't really know what I was doing yet, but uh, it was where it began. I, I hired Dindo just to go into uh, the probate because probates in Florida are public record. And we'd have to go in there manually and look them up and put the stuff in a spreadsheet, you know, and there's about... Florida only has, or Duval County, maybe 125 or 150 probates every month. And my and I just got tired of doing that every month between me and Dan, or, you know, sometimes we pay our kids to do it. And so we hired Dendo to do that every month and just gave him the task and said, here's the instructions. We even did a video, you know, showed him exactly where to get the information and just start pulling the list every month and email it to us the first week of the month, every single month. And, um, so we started getting our probate list done for us automatically. And that's when the light bulb came on. I was like, holy, sh- this is crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's the best. I, that's the best feeling when you wake up in the morning <laughs> and you look at that email and everything's listed right there. And you're just like, wow, this would have taken me so long to do. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any charges, you know, like three bucks an hour. And uh, he still works. He's still my VA. I still have Dendo. So he's been around since uh, 2008. Um, but uh, I, I now have four VAs t- in total. I have ARF. Who these are all, you know, they're all not in the United States, obviously. ARF. ARF, 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 ARF like ARV. Like ARV. Oh my God, that would be so cool. But it's A-R-I-F. I'm going to change his name on Skype to ARF, but it is ARF. So he's like a data extractor. I don't buy any of my lists, I build them through, you know, public records and things. So it's a lot of manual stuff. I just don't like to buy lists that other people can get. I do a little bit of work uh, to get them. So he's like a data extractor. He has, he has a little software script that can pull data from the probate website and he gets my quick claim deeds and uh, eviction. So he just extracts this data and then sends it over to Dendo. Dendo builds the Excel spreadsheets and gets them all ready to mail, like the click to mail, he formats them properly. Um, and then once they're all done, he sends them over to Ezra. She's my main VA. She's my full-time VA. And then she um, files them away in Google Drive. And um, once she's uh, planned for mailing, so, you know, she'll upload, upload them to click to mail, schedule the mailings, enter them in Zoho and our campaign tracker and set the follow-ups to be sent out. Uh, so it's really a great system. It's very well-oiled and the marketing is just done every single month. We just, because we're carbon copied on the emails, we know it's getting done. Yeah. <clears throat> Tracy, you mentioned uh, some of the lists that you mail to. It sounds like you don't mail to the same list that everybody else is mailing to. Am I right? Yeah. I try not to. Like I, I hate, I hate, I don't want to use the word hate, but I I dislike absentee owners only because they're easy to get and everybody mails to them. So I, I I like to go in the opposite direction of the herd um, and have, and have a little, the least amount of competition as possible. Although, you know, I always, I always still have competition because there's only so many lists that you can mail to. And, you know, there's only this many and you just have to pick and choose which ones you you want. So I don't mail to absentee owners just because it's so big. I, I instead like small lists that I can mail to six times and still stay within my marketing budget and know that, you know, over the next six months, this list is going to make me some money. Um, so I mailed to evictions, 
quick claim deeds, which I kind of, um, I don't know, I, I want to say stumbled on, but kind of stumbled on. I kept hearing the word quick claim deed come up as I was talking to the sellers and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to mail to quick claim deeds because we don't know what's going on with quick claim deeds. We just know that there was a transfer of the property, but we don't know why. So I started mailing to them and the stories of quick claim deeds is, is very, it's very diversified. How many, what the reasons are for people getting quick claim deeds to these properties. There's a lot of motivated sellers in there. Um, you know, like private lenders that just took the house back for a quick claim deed. They want to try to recap some cash or, you know, um, older people who are going to nursing homes don't want probate issues. They quick claim it to their kid. It's just so many different stories. So I really like quick claim deeds. Um, that's one of my favorite. I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. And I know a lot of other people are kind of following suit with that, but I love it. Quick claim yeah. deeds are awesome. Tax liens uh, is one. And then we still do the code enforcement list. So, uh, and probates, which is really competitive. I'm thinking about abandoning that, you know, after looking at my campaign, I was looking at them yesterday. I'm like, mm, probates are, there's not very many of them. And I don't know. They're just so competitive. Everybody's talking about probates, you know, online. It's a big topic. So I, I kind of want to, everybody sends them a yellow letter and, you know, it's become go to the their house. Ab- <laughs> it's become the new absentee. Yeah. yeah. And you go to their house and there's like five letters sitting on the counter. You're like, oh man, this is not good. <laughs> but you know, what's interesting is I took a look at all the deals we did this was a few months ago. I looked at all the deals we did in the previous six months. And we tried to mail to all the specialty lists as well. But um, most of my deals came from the regular old-fashioned absentee owner list. And I was yes. kind of shocked by that. Because it, it is true, the, most, the, the, uh, the type of owner that's most likely to be motivated is a landlord. Right? Um, because either they inherited the property or they bought it thinking that they would rent it, be rich. And they find out the realities, uh, that it's hard to make money owning rental property and it kind of sucks. So if you get them at the right time, you can probably get a deal from them. But the problem is, you, you know, you're competing against three or four other investors at the same time, but it is, I kind of have a love hate relationship with the list myself as well. I think if you're, if you're doing enough marketing, you should market to those smaller lists, but don't ignore the absentee list. That's what I'm telling people these days. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll, I, have, I haven't mailed to absentee in God, probably six years since I've mailed one. Maybe I'd give it a try. I know people make money from it. You know, I always say don't disregard it because I do. I'm not, you know, there's more than one way to make money here, but. Well, how about um, this? How about this? Think about this. Um, most people, when they pull an absentee owner list, will try to pull up absentee owners who have equity or, yeah. you know, who bought it over, who bought the property over 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, why not target absentee owners that bought the house between 2008 and 2012? And why would you do that? That's kind of what I've been doing a lot of lately is because for a couple reasons. Number one, if it was an absentee owner and they bought between that time, they probably paid cash. Because banks were not really hard to, it's, banks were just not lending to investors between those those years. Yeah, um, yeah. And so if they bought it, they paid cash. But uh, the chances of other investors mailing to them, is, it's very slim. So I have a lot less competition 
on those newer absentee owners. Something you might hmm. think about. That's true because uh, I also know a statistic uh, in those years, it was like 35% of all the transactions were cash. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. not just investors, owner occupants too. Uh, when, you know, 2008, 2012. So mm, something to think about. Well, now with you in Florida too, um, do you exclude condos? Or are you mailing to condos? Yeah, I don't mail to condos. Okay. You don't see, uh, do you see any kind of resurgence or any kind of interest coming back to the condos in Florida? Absolutely. Hmm. I just, you know, everybody, everybody has their thing. Everybody has their little niche they get in. Yeah, I mean, f- f- condos are big here because it's, you know, it's snowbird state. So uh, I just don't, I don't mail to them. I don't mail to condos. I don't mail to LLCs, trusts. Anybody looks like an investor. I don't want to buy the houses from investors unless they're, you know, they come up in my quick claim deed search. I just have a, you know, my, my criteria is pretty hammered down and that's what I stick to, but I do eliminate condos. Okay. Tracy, what have you found to be, and we sure appreciate you sharing all this stuff with us. What do you find to be like your average conversions or your numbers? Like how many postcards do you need to send to do a deal or how many leads do you need to get a deal? Do you look at those numbers? Oh my God, yes. I, we just because it's the end of the year, we just pulled all this stuff up yesterday, um, and luckily um, Zoho has you know all the numbers, so it's real easy for us. Um, in 2014, it's about the same every year. The numbers uh, with us, it's it's always about the same. I had to spend five hundred seventy-one dollars to get a deal. Uh, it cost me, well, let's see. Every time the phone rings, I make $118, whether it is a deal or not. Wow. Just every time the phone, every, every lead that calls in, we just took, you know, <laughs> the profit divided by the number of phone calls we got and said, well, how much is every phone call worth? Because, you know, you get frustrated if with all these people calling. And where's my numbers how many leads it took it took 52 leads to get one deal this year now which was what is, normal. that's pretty good still but what is a lead for you is that a hang-up no no somebody that left their information so do your <clears throat> do your postcards drive them to a 24-hour recorded message or do you answer the no, phones they, oh hell no I, they go straight to pat live okay Everything so, goes to Pat Live. So you, everybody who calls pretty much gets to a Pat Live operator? Yes. Okay. And then they enter that lead information into Zoho. So then I can get, you know, I have all the lead information captured, even if it's a hang-up. Um, but I delete hang-ups because I don't really want them. It'll count as a lead in my numbers, but I don't really want it to. So I, I just delete those. Did you, did you hear my introduction, Tracy? <laughs> what? No, what was? <laughs> with the VA going back and calling those hangups, you just never know. She she pulled yeah. out two deals there that were close to six figures. <laughs> I wrote that down. Got to call them. Yeah, not to delete the hangups. Well, you can still pull that information up too, I imagine. Um, yeah. From your your call records, but um, yes. yeah, that's something I have my VAs do as well. And I also have my VAs send a text message whenever they call somebody back, 
and they get a voicemail, my VAs will send them a text message as well. Hey, just left yeah. you a voicemail. Do you have a house you want to sell? Right. But um, yeah, that's funny. I, I don't like calling the hangups either. That's why I have somebody else do it. But I do have yeah. my VAs do it. And um, we consistently do deals from it. It could be three months later. Um, could be one of the things we do too is we send um, text messages out like once every month, once every couple months. We send a text message to everybody who called and hung up. What what service do you use for that? Um, we use a couple different services. One of them I can't recommend because it's a huge pain in the butt to get okay. them to let you do it. Um, so I I maybe offline I could tell you, but it's just one of those you know. Just be prepared for uh, a Some BS. big, yeah, big pain in the butt. But uh, I know some people use Call Fire for that. Okay. And um, one of the things I started doing because Google Voice is making it really difficult for people to send the same text message over and over again for obvious reasons, right? Um, yeah. So one of the things I started doing is I did. I bought a. Um, <clears throat> I bought an Android phone, a cheap Android phone. And I signed up for some prepaid calling plan from Cricket, which is a kind of a cheaper, lower end um, internet or phone service, mm-hmm. and um, it has unlimited texting. And then I went to MightyText.net, MightyText.net, and basically lets you send and receive text messages from a browser through that phone. And so. Um, I just, I bought the phone. I connected it to mightytext.net through a Gmail account and, um, and then just basically turned the phone off, gave the username and password to mightytext to my VA in the Philippines. And my VA in the Philippines just sends text messages through mightytext.net for me. And it comes into the browser. It's kind of like an inbox. And um, they can then put any leads back into Podio for me. So they only put the positive responses from Podio, uh, from, from Mighty Text into Podio with the person's information. Um, so anyway, I also wanted to ask you, Tracy, about internet marketing. You mentioned that before. Are you doing pay-per-click driving traffic to your, driving traffic into, uh, to, to your websites, things like that? I don't, I don't do any pay-per-click advertising. Um, I'm fortunate to have organic traffic to my website. I don't get a a hell of a ton of leads from it, maybe 10 a month. Uh, But I started that webuyinjacks.com website, gosh, a long time ago, maybe 10 years old. So I have a little bit of uh, ranking authority with Google. And so I get organic traffic there for a lot of different search terms. So I think... Um, what keeps me going there is not just trying to use We Buy Houses Jacksonville. Um, you know, I use Google Analytics a lot to analyze what people are searching for. And the keyword tool that Google um, lets you use for free. So if I see people searching for um, how to sell my house out of probate, then I'll write a blog entry for how to sell a house out of probate. And now I have, you know, those long tail keywords on my website and I'm getting an index for that particular phrase that people are searching for. Um, so I do that quite often. So those key phrases keep me up in the search engines and uh, it's really a good strategy to use something other than 
we buy houses Jacksonville because, you know, that's what all the investors are competing after that keyword. And if you check Google Analytics, you will see that sellers don't really search for that keyword. They don't search for that phrase. They're looking for answers to the problem. So, you know, if you think like a seller and, you know, if I had a house to sell and I wanted to sell it quickly, what would I search for? I mean, they do go to Google. Everybody goes to Google and looks for answers to all their problems. Um, that's They don't t- start typing in, we buy houses Jacksonville or we buy houses Denver. Whatever. They, that's not their mindset. They're how to sell a house quickly, how to sell a house fast, sell my house for cash, sell my house that needs work, sell my house that needs repairs. You know, So all these uh, think like a seller key phrases uh, do better than you know, the, the common one that everybody tries to go after. I mean, I do get, we buy houses, Jacksonville searches on my website. I don't know if that's sellers or not, you know, you can't tell. I can just see that they're searching for that. And then I can tell what keywords are converting as far as, you know, who's filling out my seller form. And uh, we buy houses, Jacksonville is not one of the key long tail key phrases that are in the top of my conversions. Okay. So um, I wanted to ask you another question about looking at houses. Do you actually still go look at houses, meet with sellers, um, negotiate in person, or you try, do you do your deals over the phone? I do not go look at houses. Um, I have a property inspector. He's not a bona fide licensed property inspector like one a realtor may use. just a normal person who I've trained what to look for. I have a property inspection sheet that he fills out and answers all the questions that I want to know about the house. And then he takes, I have a giant checklist of photos. So he takes all the photos for me and fills out my property inspection sheet. It actually calculates a rehab cost. And I, I actually created this form. It's very, it's killer. Like, you know, wholesalers have a hard time estimating repairs if they're not in the rehab business. Yeah. So, I I took a survey of wholesalers and rehabbers. I didn't really, um, you know, ask who was who. Uh, So I got about 100 responses of how much everything costs, how much windows cost and central heat and air and, you know, flooring and tile and new kitchens and all these uh, roofs, you know, et cetera. And I built a spreadsheet that as you're doing the property inspection, all you do is answer the questions. Like, do you see any, you know, water stains on the ceiling? Does the, does it need new carpet? Does it need new paint? So you're just asking these very simple questions. And in the background, it's calculating a repair cost for us. Nice. So my, nice. Pro- my property inspector goes out and does that for me and takes photos, uploads them to Dropbox. Um, and then he's also a user in Zoho. So once he's done, he marks the task as complete and I get a notification. I can go in and look at the property inspection and check out the photos. And then I will call and negotiate the deal over the phone. Um, every once in a while, I'll go out there right now. If I, you know, I'm talking to him on the phone and I sense some urgency, then I'll skip the property inspection uh, assignment task altogether. I just go myself. If I, you know, if they're like, I want to sell this house today, I'm ready to get rid of it. It's paying my ass. I'll go right now. But, um, that is not usually the case. I'll just, you know, set the inspection up for tomorrow. I have a link to his calendar. I put it in there. It's automatically booked in between certain times. And, you know, he goes and does the task for me. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's nice that you have that stuff. You got somebody to do that for you. And a property inspector is a great idea to do that. 
When do you go look at a house and when do you not? Well, basically the way I have it set up right now is I work with uh, realtors that I can kind of bounce listings back and forth with and in turn they act as my acquisitions managers. So if I, and, and usually what I'll give them is if I, if I have to go out there and have any part in the negotiation of a deal, but if they went out there, I'll give them 10% of the wholesale. If they do everything from the call to work to the appointment to all that stuff, I'll give them 20%. But if I feel it's a slam dunk and it looks easy, I might just go out there myself. But a lot of times I just hand it off to the realtor and say, okay, you go out there, give them the song and dance, see if this is going to be more of a listing or if we can get this for the right price. And they go out there, they take pictures, they do the whole nine, and then I just pay them percentage. Yeah. Hey, that's a good idea. Hire a realtor and, and negotiate the deal. How do you find? How do you pre-qualify or pre, you know determine the realtors that are good enough to do that? Well, I mean that just takes time and working with different people. Um, the realtor I work with now, um, the realtor that's on this side of things, I should say, he used to be one of the buyers for one of the national companies. Well, not national. They were probably in three different states around here. And he was a buyer for him. And I actually used to wholesale stuff to him through to that company. So uh, he used to be the buyer that would go out and take pictures and take rehab estimates and everything like that. I mean, that was his salary job. So that's, you know, to get somebody like that, maybe hard to find, but that, you know, that's who I'm working with. Um, you want somebody, though, that maybe has well I mean that's a hard thing you could probably get somebody from the beginning and kind of train them as if they were your own um, you know if they're just starting out in the business but uh, finding somebody seasoned who's already successful they're usually probably not going to do that for you <laughs> so it's it's just um, it's trial and error you know like finding a good VA yeah Tracy, you've been so gracious with your time, and I know we're already over longer than we're, we told you that we would be. Um, people can find you in Facebook. Um, your main website is propertymob.com. Is that right? Yes. And um, you do some coaching as well, too. I, I, tell me a little bit about your coaching program. Or do you still do coaching? Yeah, I still do coaching. Um my main focus is to help people automate their business. So I have a 90 day automation workshop where I spend 12 weeks with you, uh, implementing automate, uh, implementing technology and virtual assistance to automate your business so that you're really only working, you know, four or five hours a week. Nice. It's nice. a, it's a lot of, uh, work, you know, initially in the first 12 weeks, getting everything set up and learning how to make the system run for you. But, I've uh, had good success with it. The people that have been through the workshop are very happy with it. Um, and I also have some, I train virtual assistants um, for real estate investors specifically, and I have them available too. Wow, really? Yeah. So your 90-day automation workshop, is that are those pre-recorded videos that you've done? No, I actually get on um, live. So we meet once a week. The next one I have coming up starts on January 26th, but I actually get on, uh, we do GoToMeeting video and it's a live call and, you know, we, I have a group of five, I take five at a time 
Nice. I actually, you know, go through uh, the course material, and then I get back online on Thursday for any questions. So you have mo- you have Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to implement, and then if you get stuck or you need help with something, then I'm back online Thursday for an hour to answer questions again uh, live. That usually just kind of turns into a mastermind kind of call. You know, we answer the questions in the beginning, and then, you know, we just talk about other stuff for the rest of the time. So it's great. I mean, if you really want to automate your business and – Stop being self-employed and become a business owner instead. That's, you know, the pivotal turn is realizing that there's a lot of stuff you got to do to be a wholesaler. And you teach Zoho in that uh, in that workshop as well, right? Yeah, it's really the backbone of, you know, the automation is all the automatic workflows and keeping everything organized is definitely a big part of it. Right. So, yeah. And Zoho is a good product. I've, I've always loved, uh, not always, but in the last year or so, I've been a huge Podio fan. But I've looked at Zoho as well, and it is a good product. It really does uh, everything you need it to do. It's just a matter of style or preference. Um, but sure. the, f- the fact is, you've got to use something. You can't, I, I operate under the philosophy, and I borrow this phrase from Todd Toback, uh, no lead left behind, right? Uh, you can't let uh, your you, 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 you can't let your leads fall through the cracks, and um, you yeah. need to have something like Zoho or Podio to do that for you. And maybe it's a Google spreadsheet, but start off with something, and yeah. try to get away from the yellow pads of paper and Post-it notes as soon as possible. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many leads I've lost, you know, before. Before having Zoho, you know, from losing somebody's phone number or losing their name or like, oh, man, I know it's just a call bag and I can't find it. So uh, it, it's definitely it can I mean, you could lose a $30,000 lead. Yeah. You don't know until, yeah. you know, the deal transpires and you get to the closing table. So you definitely need something, whether it's Zoho or Podio or, you know, the F word. <laughs> I won't say it. We won't say it. The F word. But whatever it is, I mean, you got to be using something. That's for sure. And mm-hmm. if, if you're mm-hmm. serious, then you got to have a CRM. You got to have one and use it. Not just have it, but use it. If you're getting leads, you're going to use it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've got, you know, some people that um, have my Zoho CRM. You know, I asked them, I was just talking to them yesterday. And I was like, well, how many, how many deals did you close? Did you close this year? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, look in Soho. It'll tell you. He's like, well, once it gets, you know, to a certain point and I convert it over to uh, a contract, I don't track anything else after that. So, yeah, you know, that's yeah. not using it, you know, fully. So you just got to use it. It has to become a habit. That's for sure. Well, good, Tracy. The, the website to get a hold of you is at uh, propertymobboy.com. Is that right? Yes. Cool propertymob.com and um, you're also very active in Alex's Facebook group Wholesaling Houses full time so if any of you guys are looking for a good group to get involved with just go to Facebook do a search for a Wholesaling Houses full time and you'll find uh, Alex's page there I think you're one of the biggest active groups on Facebook aren't you Alex oh shucks <laughs> I think so too. You know, you get invited to all these groups, and you, you, people just add you to their groups all the time. And uh, Alex, you definitely have the biggest and most active group out there. Uh, I love that group. It's it's entertaining to yes. say the least. 
<laughs> I love that group. It's, I think any question that you need answered is there. If it's not there, you can use it, you know, you use a little search button and uh, it's there. And if not, then yeah, just ask can, somebody will answer be, it. It's become its own search engine. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just wish Facebook would, would change their rules and stop letting people invite you or add you automatically into their group. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know how many groups I'm a part of now, like 50 at least, maybe more, 100. I, but, um, it's, I think you can change that setting. In your, uh, in your own privacy settings, you can tell it, I think. I'm not 100% hmm. sure, but I think you can say, don't add me to, don't let people add me to groups. Well, or send me candy, candy Crush. Uh, I know I've done that already. I have <laughs> all of those games I've turned off notifications. But Tracy, do you go to Bigger Pockets much yourself? What do you uh, are you active uh, on there? Once in a while, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll I'll pop in over there and see what's going on. But you know, I'm kind of stuck in Facebook world. Now with Facebook, though, I I, I go through these love hate relationships with Facebook um, because it's such a time suck. I'm like, oh. I hear it. I just wasted half an hour to an hour reading stupid things from people, and I so then I I shut it off completely for a while, you know, and then I go back into it. How do you still like be productive and and be as active as you are in Facebook? Time blocking. Yeah. I just time it, it's crazy. I mean, I, you know, I have Facebook on my phone and stuff. I I don't. It seems like I spend a lot of time on Facebook because I'm active in there, but I really, I don't know. I guess I'd have to start measuring my time. I might need to cut back a little bit. I might have a problem. But really, I mean, for like answering questions and networking and talking to other people, which I, you know, I think is really important. I mean, I like to, I like to go in there and answer questions and engage in conversations. And uh, I usually do that at night, you know, when my day is over and not always, but. Um, you know, it's just limiting it. I don't really post a lot of personal stuff. Uh-huh. So I'm really only in uh-huh. there in the groups and I've got a secret Facebook page for my members and I do spend, you know, some time in there answering questions and reading their feeds, but it's 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 a time suck, that's for sure, but something's gotta chew it up. It's entertainment. <laughs> I mean, you gotta look at it as entertain entertainment, a constant form, it's just an entertainment drip. It's also an investment because um, you're getting a lot of traffic to your Property Mob website from that, I, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I look at my conversions and traffic, yeah, but a lot of it comes from Facebook. Good. Well, all right, Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to get a hold of you, they can go to propertymob.com, and that will be in the show notes. Is that the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, it is. Uh, or, you know, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, I want Facebook too. Good. Well, um, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun, Good Tracy. Call. We've call. it's been a great call. Thanks, Alex. And um, I hope you guys have a happy, merry New Year. As we record this, it's uh, a, a day or two away from New Year's. So I'm looking One forward day. to 2015. Me too. It's going to be, be a good year. It is. All right, everybody. Yeah. All right. Realestateinvestingmastery.com. You'll get the show notes from this podcast with Tracy. Um, You can get her information at propertymob.com. And I look forward to uh, next year, guys. And we'll see you later. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Tracy. Bye bye.